Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. for about three and a half weeks now, uh, getting things ready. Jay is working on his project with You Make Me Feel Mighty Real, the old Sylvester song. We are working on our project for the Listen and Give with our music, and you're going to hear a lot of great things from Jay and I coming together shortly. But without further ado, I'm going to bring on Mr. Jay Logan. Hi, Jay. How are you? I'm doing great, Gail. We're uh, getting ready to get into our rainy season, the April season out here in San Francisco, and I know you guys are cold out there, but I guess it's our turn now. We had a great weekend, but now it's time for the rain. Well, I don't know about you, but we had a real – I think we have adopted San Francisco's rainy season here. Or, Jay, we had a really rough rainy day yesterday to the point that it was uh, flooding. So I think we wow. I think we have San Francisco's weather. Yeah, it was uh, up to our ankles yesterday. So it was pretty rough wow. with a very <laughs> strong wind rain. Um, and, you know, with me, with my arm hurting now, getting soaked when you have an arm injury is not the greatest. But, you know, Jay, right. without further ado, you know, we have a great guest today. Her name is Becky Winchell. And I'm really excited to have her. She works with Reagan dot uh, com, which is Lawrence Reagan Communications, and PRDaily.com. And you know, Jay, I'm really excited because she's going to share her journey with us. She gets to be all over the world and travel to so many amazing countries. And um, you know, while she does what she does for a living, so we're going to find out about her journey so that if any adults or youth want to create their own professional career the way you know she has, they can get some pointers from her. You ready to bring her on, Jay? Yes, yes, let's bring her on. It'd be great. Yes, and then we'll then we'll go into the latest news with Jay Logan. Okay. Hey, Becky, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing really hey. well. Becky, this is Jay out in San Francisco, and I'm out in New York, and we're really glad to have you. I think you're in Dublin in the world these days. I am. I'm currently in South Dublin. Well, thank you for being with us. And I now I hope you're ready for a lot of fun too. Oh, definitely. Okay. So, Becky, we're going to ask that you answer the questions, right? But you don't give out all the goodies. You just answer the questions. Okay. You know. You know. We don't want you to give out too much information. Then you'll give away all the goodies later. Is that okay with you? 
Okay, sounds good. I'll try not to give too much. <laughs> okay, great. So we're going to go right into everything with you. Um, Becky, I have a question for you. I wanted to know, actually it's two in one. You know, we're not going to tell the audience what you do, but we would love to know, did you ever think as a young girl that you would be doing the work that you're doing now? No, I think as a young girl, I my dream was actually to be on Broadway. Uh, so I guess in a way, <laughs> I did, it did involve some traveling because I thought I'd be traveling around and, and performing. I really enjoyed acting. I really enjoyed the theater. Um, stage performances were, were my kind of thing, and I really liked being up in front of people and talking and sort of uh, interacting with people in that sort of way. So, no, I didn't think that I would end up where I am now, but looking back, it does make sense. Uh, I think a lot of people discount their passions uh, when they decide on a line of work or they say something like, well, this is what I wanted to do when I was younger, but that was a little silly. Um, and I think there's a way to work your passions into a feasible career. Um, it, it probably and might not be the way that it appeared to you or, uh, you know, that you dreamed about when you were younger, but it usually makes those, those hobbies and those passions work in a, in a job sense later on. Well, you know, my next question to you, and then Jay has a question for you, too, is did you create your job yourself? Um, no, it sort of happened. Uh, the main job that I have right now um, with Lawrence Reagan Communications um, and with uh, specifically with PR Daily, so I work with PR Daily. Um, I don't work so much with Reagan. Uh and that is me being over here and me traveling uh, just sort of happened after I was with them for a little while. I had an opportunity and, you know, luckily I work with some really great people uh, who trust me and I was able to, um, to do that and to work remotely. Um, the office itself is based in Chicago, so they really like it when I come back and, and visit. It's great seeing all of them. Um, but, yeah, I was allowed to to do that and then I just kind of took off. Um, as far as my other stuff, I've always leaned towards smaller uh, PR firms or freelancing and consulting. I, I think that just kind of speaks to more of my entrepreneurial nature. Uh, I am a person that generally is self-motivated and uh, works a little bit better uh, by herself. Um, not that I don't like working with people, but uh, I definitely do better work when I'm not distracted in an office. <laughs> I find most people come up to me and, and want to talk to me and, and vice versa. Um, so uh, being able to travel and being able to work remotely allows me to get the work done and focus like, like I need to when I need to. Um, but also I have times when I can come back and, and have that interaction. Wow. 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 Well, yeah, we're going to get to the to, to the to the uh, to the nitty gritty here with Becky. Becky, um, I'm wondering how did you start out? Uh, just in in my career in general. 
Yes. Um, so I started uh, while I was in school. Um, I was encouraged to do a lot of internships, uh, and I got started on interning pretty early on uh, before uh, I actually had to. Um, so we had in my major, which was public relations um, or communications with a public relations emphasis, um, we did have some requirements that we had to intern and do a certain amount of uh, work with real-life clients. Um, and I was able to do that both uh, through the program and then through my internships. Uh, but I started doing internships a little bit before the requirement came, and a lot of that was because I wanted to get the extra experience. So um, my first internship was actually with American Family Insurance, um, which is headquartered out of Madison, uh, which is where I'm from, uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, so I went there one summer uh, and was able to work with them and actually was able to secure a contractor position uh, for the following semester. So they let me work remotely um, in another office, uh, not the corporate office, of course, uh, because I went to school in Utah, but another of the, uh, one of their agents' offices. And I communicated uh, with the team back in Madison. Um, and then I did a, a plethora of other uh, internships and, and jobs for different companies. And the great thing that I learned about that was, uh, and that a lot of my classmates ended up asking me about, and, and now just people looking at and going into PR and marketing or any sort of a communications um, field, is uh, I learned that it's really helpful to do a lot of those internships or, or jobs. Um, and some of them were paid okay and some of them were more for the experience, but it allowed me to see what I liked and what I didn't like um, instead of having an idea. Uh, some people feel very confident, for example, if they wanna work in, a, in an agency um, doing work with a certain kind of clientele other people feel that they really like a certain industry. So um, let's just say the food industry or um, you know, the technology industry and they really wanna work for a certain company. Uh, but interning allows you to see those things in action and to really size up what you like and what you don't like um, so that you can better uh, go back to your courses and, and learn the things that you need to um, when you realize that this is actually what you want to do, that this is this is the path you want to go down. So it helps you to kind of hone things a little bit better before graduation. Well, wow. You know, um, <laughs> that's, it's, it's interesting, Jay, because this is along the lines of what Jay and I do uh, with youth. One of the things I want to ask you is, it, it may sound the same, but it, it is different, Becky. Did you create a job to travel? Like share with, you know, we heard you go into it a little bit, but how did you create this job where you were able to travel? Like you, you already had the job, but how did you, you know, how did they entrust you and how did you, you know, create this so other young people or older people can hear this and see if it's their passion to travel, how can they integrate it with the people they're currently working with or even create a new job? Right. I think the big thing is just to be able to show that you can be trusted. That's a that's a huge thing, and to show that you don't need motivation uh, to do the task. A lot of things that 
uh, I've encountered, or I guess I should say behaviors that I've encountered both in school and then in the workforce is that a lot of, um, and I, I really can only speak to the communication sense, but I know that it's uh, across industries as well, is that you know your general employee or your general student um, really needs to kind of be told what to do. Um, and so you get, for example, you, you go into a course and you're, you're in college, you're all adults and you have the syllabus there, but um, it's a very common thing to have, you know, your classmates all around you or, or, or perhaps, you know, you're the one doing it uh, that is asking, you know, specifically, okay, what do I need to do um, in order to get this done? And almost, um, I, had, I had some people would ask basically, okay, what, what is the minimum amount that I have to do in order to get this done? Um, and I see that, that sort of trend happening in, in the workplace as well, um, where I noticed right away that, um, you know, especially in, in both bigger and uh, smaller organizations, you'd set up a meeting and people would be surprised um, when I would show up with stuff already done. Um, because in my mind, why would you have a meeting to discuss future meetings? Um, and so it, it helps. And I think you get a lot more, uh, not only leeway, but potential bargaining power if you are motivated and kind of not to be cliche, but go above and beyond. Um, you know, you, you come in and you um, look at ways, look at projects that you can work on that you might not already have um, on your responsibility list. You know, if you find something really interesting or um, you think of a good idea um, to constantly bring those kind of to do things ahead of time uh, to show that you don't need reminding about certain things. Um, those, all of those type of behaviors build trust to the level that, you know, people aren't going to worry that you're going to get your stuff done if you're not there in front of them. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing uh, that, that people can do. Um, some jobs require you to physically be there. And I know that in certain um, companies and certain agencies, they're less less willing um, to have remote employees, whereas uh, something like in the tech field with a lot of um, developer jobs, I know, and IT jobs, it's a little bit more flexible. Um, but I know that the trust is, is huge. They don't just, you know, randomly give that out to, to anybody who applies. Most jobs don't anyway. That's, that's 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 wonderful. I wanted to know um, what country have you traveled to? That you traveled to? Um, so I've been in the past year. Um, I've really been focusing on Europe. Uh, I've just really wanted to visit Europe and spend time here. So um, that's really where I've where I will be focused um, over the next probably a year or two more than I am now. Hmm. And uh, this started last August. So, um, right, I mean, really about a couple of years, two or three years that I'll be here at least. Um, and I've been to uh, Ireland, um, throughout the UK uh, to, um, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to think, um, Austria, wow. Austria, Hungary, uh, Sweden, a lot of the Nordic countries, so Sweden, Norway, Denmark, 
I haven't been to Finland yet, uh, France. Um, I'm actually going in a few weeks. Um, I'm going to celebrate uh, my birthday late, and we're going to um, the Netherlands and then to Iceland, hopefully to see the Northern Lights. Wow, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, yeah, one of the so, things that Jay, Jay and I really love is cultures. And I'd love to know, what have you learned from all of your, you know, from visiting so many countries? What have you learned from different cultures? You know, it's been really interesting because I think you can pick up on both the differences and the similarities pretty quickly if you're willing to look for them. Uh, but the other thing that I've learned to, I guess that I, I was surprised at is more geared towards the similarities um, and the way that people connect with one another. Uh, so, for example, I know here in Ireland, um, it tends to be, it feels closer to uh, my life back in Wisconsin, where where I'm from, um, and it has more of that, um, definitely not a Midwestern feel, but uh, very open, uh, very friendly. Uh, most Irish people um, will just start up a conversation with you. Uh, they don't think really twice about, about doing that. Um, and they don't really have to know you to do that. So you can talk with the person uh, that's standing next to you buying your groceries or, you know, in a pub. They're pretty approachable. Um, and they they do like their beer <laughs> and their alcohol, which is, uh, which is a little similar to Wisconsin. Um, and it, in, I guess in comparison, you know, you go somewhere like uh, – uh, Sweden, uh, the people are pretty reserved. Um, they tend to be, they tend not to make eye contact. Uh, if you're walking down the street, it tends to almost have that New York feel uh, where you don't look at people. Um, and they tend to be very, um, very reserved emotionally. So um, uh, almost passive aggressive uh, in some instances if they get upset. Um, they really don't like being confrontational um, and it just there's such a range uh, with people depending on where you're at but the common theme that I found is just that uh, people are are interested in connecting and I thought that was really interesting because even in a culture like Scandinavia where people are generally more reserved um, they would hear me speak in English and I'll be really interested and I think part of that is because to them I'm I'm different um, where you know I'm I'm in a situation where everybody looks different to me and uh, in, in Sweden everybody for the most part speaks English as well as Swedish uh, which is lucky for me um, because I do a really horrible job at speaking Swedish for now um, and uh, I think they just looked at it like it was a neat cultural experience for them to learn new things. Um, the same thing sort of happened when I was in France. And I, it happens, I think, a little bit more because a lot of times I travel alone um, or I will travel just with one person. So I think it's easier to see when you're not 
um, part of a big tour, uh, like on a tour bus, is that um, when I was in France, and again, I don't, I don't know French very well, uh, and so I'm using Google Maps and I'm trying to you know, find these landmarks and, and I'm walking places and, and I got approached so many times to ask for directions and to ask for things, which I thought was hilarious because I, I don't even speak the language, much less do I know where things are. Um, but on one particular instance, I was able to actually show a person who wasn't from France and we were trying to find a common any common language and any common communication um, so that I could show him what I had found out um, about the um, Arc de Triomphe because um, we were standing in front of it and it's this weird thing where um, you know you want to get there but there's a almost like a huge roundabout around the Arc and uh, the the traffic you, you can't cross the street because it's it's a hugely populated area and the traffic goes by very fast because you have to use a certain tunnel to get under um and so i was i was explaining to him that i had found i had found it um because <laughs> he was trying to figure out how to get over there and it's just that sort of i think underlying theme of people wanting to connect with other people and so everybody has their own way of doing it um and and it's it's nice when you go into a different culture and you want to learn about the culture rather than just saying, okay, well, I'm going to have, I'm, and unfortunately as Americans, we stereotypically have that sort of, uh, um, uh, that stereotype about us uh, <laughs> that we just like to go in and do things the way that we want to. But when you go into other cultures and you're willing to learn and you want to connect with those people, I found that they're very willing to connect with you back. Um, on a on a variety of different levels. So I guess that's really the overarching thing that I've been that I've been seeing in my travels. Wow. Wow. So Becky, you're in Europe now. In Europe Have now. you been to Asia or any, other country? Asia or any other country? Uh no, I'm hoping to go to Australia and Asia um within the next few years. So we'll see if, if I can do that. Um, I've been to uh, Canada and Mexico before I came out to Europe. Um, I actually served a mission for my church in Canada, so I lived there for a year and a half. Um, and then I've just, you know, been down to Mexico and um, the Caribbean area a few times. But no, I haven't been able to go to go to the other areas yet. Well, Becky, with all that you've done, what's important to you that you'd like to accomplish? Oh, man. <laughs> I think we need another show for that. <laughs> um, I mean, there's there's lots of things, and I think they just, they, they just they change. Um, they change almost daily, or maybe not change, but uh, the list kind of ebbs and flows. Uh, I, I wrote a, a book um I co-authored a book with my with a professor um, that I had a, a PR professor, and we would like to write another one. Um, and so that's definitely on my list of, of things to do. Um, I do like speaking at conferences, and so I'm looking at that for um, 2016. It's already the middle of February, <laughs> which I don't know how time got away from me. 
that seems to be a common theme. Um, but I'll be looking at things like that. Um, I definitely want to, even though I didn't start um, with the goal in mind of traveling, um, for example, to blog about it or to do anything like that, I found that um, there are a lot of travel blogs, but it's actually kind of hard to find certain things. Um, so I'm looking at, and I have a goal of, of uh, starting to blog about certain things and incorporating that so other travelers hopefully can um, easily find things, uh, you know, great apps to use, for example, when you come to Ireland that can make your life so much easier um, that I wouldn't have been able to find had I not, you know, gone out to a pub and, and overheard people talking <laughs> and, and realized what they, what they had. Um, so definitely there's, there's a lot of things I want to accomplish. So hope, hopefully 2016 will be a, a good year full of things. That's wonderful. So, so Becky, what we do, me and Gail, we want to shrink you down a little bit. So we want you to describe so your work describe in detail work to us detail. on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Well, most of my work on a daily basis is working with uh, with Reagan, and so um, I am the co-editor for PR Daily, uh, and that it's the largest publication of uh, PR news and um, content on online and we basically my co-editor and I work um, I, I usually write an article every day uh, and then I spend the rest of my day um, as it's a more journalist role a, like a journalistic role uh, even though I, I work on PR and I uh, get involved with PR professionals on a daily basis um, I get a lot of pitches um, I uh, edit and publish articles on our site. I work with our um, events and marketing teams. We do a lot of uh, conferences, a lot of um, conferences, webinars, Reagan events. Um, we have uh, PR Daily University, um, which is a, a really great training hub. So um, I work with them. Sometimes they'll have a, an article that we need to publish or um, you know, something coming up. I also run our uh, Twitter chat every Tuesday. Um, it's at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that's Reagan Chat. Uh, so there's been a really great group of PR uh, journalists, marketing, and um, other communica communication professionals that come into Reagan Chat. And we talk about a lot of things um, that range from internal communications to social media campaigns, to crisis communications. So that usually takes up most of my day um, as far as work goes. And then uh, I do consult on uh, social media and public relations. So I do have projects for um, clients that I work on uh, outside of work. And um, I've been trying to get my personal site up and running so I can start uh, blogging. Um, I am active on social media, so I do a lot of that. Um, you know, there's sometimes I'll sit for an hour or so and, um, you know, update my Flipboard magazines or, <laughs> you know, try to find a, a, a project that I'm working on uh, through, you know, 
Pinterest or Twitter. Um, so the days kind of change a, a little bit, but with Greg in there, that's pretty much what I do. Well, I know that Jay has one more question for you sneaking in there. Yeah, I want to know what is missing in online space? Do you mean in a professional sense or period? <laughs> yeah, in, just in general, what's missing, you know, like what's missing like from a PR standpoint or, you know, social media standpoint, what's missing in the online space? Sure. Um, I think it's not a, not really what's missing necessarily because it's out there. People are ignoring it, unfortunately, much more than, um, I mean, they shouldn't ignore it at all. Uh, and that is the importance of relationships um, and how how everything really revolves around those relationships. And I say that in the sense of, um, so I really look at this a lot because I'm passionate about social media, that's my specialty, but I am a public relations professional and I work with a lot of public relations professionals. So I look at that and, and public relations is all about the, the, it's a management function of building relationships with all sorts of people. Um, you know, customers, vendors, uh, suppliers, employees, everybody. Um, and it really just depends on, you know, what your certain uh, goal is and, and your certain job title of who you're building the relationship with. But it's, that's really what it comes down to. And there's been a, this weird disconnect that when public relations professionals, uh, on a very general basis, um, they – look at social media and suddenly I think they just don't connect the dots that you're still doing the same thing. It's just virtually. Um, so you still want to reach out to people and build relationships that are mutually beneficial. And that includes creating content that is valuable to them and not just a uh, cry of look at me, I'm trying to do important things, uh, subscribe to this, click on this, do this. Um, but it's it's creating something that they want to share and, and want to subscribe to and, and want to uh, look at and be a part of and, and throw their stories into the mix. And I think that's one of the reasons that marketers on a general basis have taken over social media. And I don't say that in a bad way, but, um, you know, a lot of PR professionals have been kind of gun shy about, going online it's you know, I mean we're several years in and it's not going anywhere uh, it's changing but it's, it's social media is here to stay um, as we move towards our mobile devices and we move to increasingly you know virtual uh, lives and, and connections with people um, that is just really really important and I think that um, a lot of times it, it's maybe not missing, but forgotten. So every single time I connect with somebody on Twitter and I'm meeting an automatic direct message or, you know, I, I connect with somebody on LinkedIn and they don't personalize the request and they don't know them and they immediately throw a form letter at me with their pitch, I think, yep, you've forgotten. 
about relationships uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and the importance of them. So, um, and and I think it's just you can go a lot further. You can do a lot more when you remember that there's a person on the other side of the computer or the or the smartphone or whatever whatever it is that you're doing, and and let that guide you. You know, um, it's, wow. we have three more we have three more questions for you, um, okay. Becky. But it's, it's something that you said that's really important: relationships. Okay, Jay. I'm just going to sneak a question in here. You know, you said okay. something about that relationship, and then they just pitch you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That can be one of the biggest turnoffs. You know, one of the things, Becky. You know, you and I are always on Twitter. Jay's on, you know, Facebook or Twitter. My question to you is. How, you know, for the audience to hear this, especially young people who are getting onto Twitter now, okay, how does someone, they want to reach someone on Twitter, they haven't been able to reach someone another way, they want to create a relationship with them, but at the same time, they do want to make a request. How would you suggest for them to do that? Well, I think there's there's a lot of ways that you can reach out, and, and the advantage, I think, uh people that are students or, um, you know, interns or people that are younger to whatever field that they're going into have a a unique opportunity because they have that sort of, um, hi, I'm learning, can I learn from you sort of thing. And and I say that in in a sense of um, I think everybody must be careful because there's unfortunately a, a tendency by by a lot of people to, um, you know, to ask others, uh, hey, you know, can I take you out to lunch and, and pick your brain and, uh, you know, and do stuff like that. And you have to be really careful because, you know, mo- most people that have these really wonderful ideas and are doing things, you know, I mean, they're working. Usually the life of an entrepreneur is, is not an eight-hour day. It's a, you know, 13 to 15-hour day. And their time is really valuable and it's not it's worth more than you know a sandwich and so you have to you have to be careful into not abusing that sort of thing but at the same time um i think that students and and younger people to industries have have a position to um to follow somebody or to connect with them on linkedin and and send a, a short personalized message you know just saying hey you know you came you came to uh my class and lectured today and I thought it was really interesting. I'd, I'd love to, you know, follow you and talk to you more or, or create Twitter lists of people that you really admire. Um, start an RSS feed. I really like using Feedly, for example, and start following people. Um, right now on LinkedIn, their pulse is very big. Um, so having that sort of, uh, the publishing network that LinkedIn has is is pretty big. So they have a network of of what they call influencers that have um, that will write content, and they have very large audiences. But on top of that, there's tons of other people um, that are in PR and marketing and communications, as well as a plethora of other industries that are writing LinkedIn posts that you can you can follow them without even connecting. Um, and I think going ahead and, and sharing uh, something that we say from a, from a journalistic standpoint is uh, 
PR pros should really build those relationships long before they have to pitch. And so um, that includes following somebody on Twitter, um, looking at what they have to say, responding, uh, self-fulfilling, right? So if you read a journalist's uh, article and you really like it, then share it on Twitter and tag them, you know, and say, this was a really great piece and you should read it. Um, and, and that sort of thing, I think, helps enforce um, it helps kind of keep you in the front of their minds where they'll remember you a little bit better when you do send them an email or send them a private message. Uh, but then it also kind of enforces that, that relationship again. Um, social media is great for that because uh, journalists are actually the largest verified group on Twitter. Um, but they well, use well, Twitter a lot. Well, that's great. And that does sound great for young people. You know, there are older people that are listening to you now, too. And when I say older, I don't mean like 70, but like people who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, who are out of school. What would you suggest to people who aren't, you know, the the young person? Because young people, it is a little easier. What about people who are like at your stage of the game or a little older? What would you suggest to them? I think it's a similar approach, only um, you know you don't have that nice opportunity of hi, I'm a student, so so people are are in general a little bit more willing to spend some time with you. Uh, but you go ahead and connect with people. I mean, social media is meant to be open. Um, if you don't know something and you don't know the etiquette of it, I think it's it's a good thing to learn. And there are enough articles and enough webinars and enough white papers out there that you can get for free um, that, you, I mean, you know, a quick Google search will give you pretty much whatever you need. You just you just need to have the dedication and the time to look for it. Um, but learning kind of just the basic principles of etiquette um, to know, for example, that uh, most people, and everybody's a little bit different, but generally speaking, Twitter is really open, um, where Facebook, you don't go adding everybody just because. Um, but, but looking at a person's Facebook, um, I do know some people, and, and I run my Facebook kind of similarly, where um, I, do, I do try to post industry stuff, and, and people can go ahead and follow me um, without being connected to me as a friend and, um, and they can, if they like that platform better, for example, than LinkedIn or, or Twitter, but, um, knowing sort of etiquette where, you know, you generally don't send a friend request to somebody that you have never met, um, unless you have a good rapport with them already on another social channel. Um, but with Twitter, you know, you can follow everybody or you can create curated lists and start interacting. Um, Twitter chats are really good. Um, share your opinions, um, as well as learning from other people. You can ask them questions in real time. Um, you can get noticed for your thoughts. Got it. Um, well, or that's great. Well, I know I have one more <laughs> question, and then I know Jay comes on after that. And it's, with so much sure. content out there, how does one get their brand out there? Um, you know, there's a lot of content out there. You know what I mean? Becky, mm-hmm. how does one put their brand out there with so much to, you know, so much out there in the the, the intimate sphere, as we would say? It's really, 
it, it, go, it comes back again to relationships and knowing your audience. Um, you want to create content that they actually want, that they um, – something that I talk about in the book that I co-authored is how you should really look at the content you create almost as a digital amenity. So you think in a in kind of a more traditional sense, um, money aside, uh, you know, money and urgency aside, um, you usually go to a certain, uh, you know, movie theater or grocery store or gas station or mechanic um, because you trust them. And also all these little things that enhance your experience, right? They have really good coffee or they have, you know, they give you coupons and a loyalty card or they have a nice play area mm-hmm. for your kids, et cetera, et cetera. And that's kind of online content too. Um, I think people should ask themselves why customers would want to follow them on social media. Um, you know, if, I, if, for example, I work for a company and we're just barfing out, you know, hey, this is what's on sale today, why would anyone want to follow us? But if we're showing them, and we're creating, you know, really cool infographics of, hey, this is how you can use this product, you know, to, to go to this cool life hack thing or to get healthy or whatever it is that they're interested in, then we're providing some value. Um, and that's a way to stick out. The other thing, too, is highlighting relationships. And so people generally are going to already be talking about you, and they're generally going to be doing it already online. And so if you can find those people and work with them um, and feature them, you don't have to create new stuff uh, all the time. You don't have to create these articles. You just have to feature what's already out there. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, it's been, you know, Becky, you just, you're, you're nailing it. You're nailing it. Um, so me, and, me, and, me and Gail, we always like to give a spot question. So it's going to be hard. Uh-huh. We know that you're on a Norwegian tour. We want to know, and you have to try to answer it. It might be hard. What is your favorite country? Oh, I don't. I honestly don't know if I could <laughs> favorite country. Um, I will. I will say. I will say this. I was very surprised by how much I loved. Budapest and Hungary. I was not expecting to like it as much as I did, um, but it's a wonderful city. It made me completely fall in love with Christmas markets, which is like the oh. greatest thing since sliced bread in Europe. Um, in, in the late wow. fall into winter around the Christmas season, and Budapest is a is a beautiful, beautiful city. Um, very beautiful. So I will. That's my that's my way of of answering that without answering that. <laughs> well, here, going there. <laughs> well, you've you've really nailed it for us today in so many areas, Becky. Thank you. And our very last question yeah, is: mm-hmm. What would you tell your younger self now that you've learned so much? I think the big thing is just not to be afraid of experiences and to go for things. There's been a lot of times in my life and I've seen it in other people's too, where, you know, they want to do something, but they just, you know, it's, it's crazy to think. uh, And there's some people that 
talk to me and go, okay, wait, so you work remotely and you just one day decided to like go to Europe for several months? Yeah. <laughs> I just, just sick of thinking about it. And I decided that I'm just going to go ahead and try and do it. I researched what I needed to do and, um, and figured out what I needed to do to make it work and made it work. And I think that applies to a lot of things, whether that's getting a, getting the job that you want, um, you know, traveling when you want, uh, maybe, you know, doing that big thing, whether it's publishing your blog or writing a book. Um, it's just not to be afraid. We, we often think that we're, um, we have these kind of self-doubts that creep in, and I'm definitely one of them. Oh, maybe I don't know enough, and I'm not the authority to talk about X, Y, and Z, but um, that's it's just not true, and I think they're just uselessly holding us back. So when you just go after what, what it is that you want, I think amazing things can happen. Well, you know, Jay, if I could speak one question in here, and, and if you have any, if you have the last one, that would be great, too. You know, Becky, a lot of people, you're from the U.S., and you researched to go over to these other countries, and you got up and did it, and that's great. But how were you able to set yourself up for a place to live and have the money that you make apply to the difference in currency over there? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's um, one of the things is uh, that I'm not, like, I still technically live in Wisconsin. <laughs> um, so I haven't moved over to Europe. And part of that is because I, I don't, I just am going on a, a visitor visa. Um, so, for example, I'm coming back to the States in the summer for a few months. Um, and then I'll come back out to Sweden to stay. Uh, and um, I think, I, I hope to have a, a visa that will allow me to stay for a year um, later, uh, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, so it's, I think the thing that I've learned is that it's just, it's really important to look at things before you go. Um, so there's, different um for example i know very well that um the the um what am i trying to say the requirements that um ireland has versus the uk which are a little bit different um versus what they call the schengen area which is almost all of europe except for ireland and the uk and a few other countries but um an area for example um u.s uh visitors can only stay for a period of 90 days um, cumulatively within each 180-day period. Um, so it's it's definitely something you have to watch for and plan out your trips carefully um, because, of course, you know, the last thing you want to do is, is overstay your welcome and then have them get upset with you and not let you back. Um, so... And that's something that you just that I, I look at. Um, as far as the currency, it's just um, a lot of times, especially it, it helps that I am not, I don't live here, so I am, I'm just I'm just visiting. Um, I'm just staying for longer than you know a, a two week vacation. Um, 
so a lot of times I have found um, long-term Airbnbs, for example, um, or even for short-term, that's a lot cheaper than a hotel and nicer, in my opinion. Um, or I find things, I, I make connections and, and um, find people who are willing to, you know, rent out a, a room. Because um, I, I personally feel I am too old for a hostel experience, especially because I work from home. So I don't want to be around, you know, I need to have a, a spot to work um, in, in quiet. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of things that you can do to kind of um, to offset that. And it's great because right now the dollar is pretty strong. Um, so it's, uh, I definitely um, have, I, I feel a hit when I, um, when I'm in the United Kingdom, um, especially in expensive places like London, uh, I mean, it's, it's very similar to the States, you know, you can go in somewhere like St. Louis and then do things a lot differently than you would in Manhattan. Um, so you just, you just plan things out and you, um, learn how to do things, I think a little bit, uh, more cheaply and, learn what it is that you need and, and what it is that you don't. I have been traveling around too with a suitcase and a carry-on and a purse, and it's been very liberating, not having a lot of stuff. So, wow. Um, yeah. Well, Jay, do you have any last questions for Becky before we go? Yeah, I have one last question, um, Gail. Uh, a lot of, Becky, a lot of people confuse, often confuse public relations with marketing. Um, would mm-hmm. you mind um, tell, uh, Would you mind setting them apart for us so so that our listeners will know the difference? Because you know you, some people don't know what to hire. So I just wanted our, our listening listeners to know the difference between public relations and marketing. Sure. Um, so I speak more towards the public relations sense because I I definitely work in that space more than I do marketing. Um, but there's a lot of crossover, and I think that's why it's confusing. Um, public relations is the management function of building and maintaining relationships that an organization or a person, like if you're a personal brand, such as a celebrity, um, that you need to have in order to be successful. Um, so let's just say a clothing brand, for example. You're, you're a startup company. You need to be able to have successful and, and beneficial relationships for both parties um, with vendors, retailers that will be uh, housing your products, um, with customers, um, with people that, that are really loyal. We call them brand ambassadors, you know, or brand advocates. Um, a lot of marketers uh, use that for influencer marketing, they call that. Um, you know, you, you, uh, you look at all of that and you build these relationships and maintain them so that both sides are happy. Um, public relations looks at things that are on the horizon. Um, so let's just say a, a cotton shortage is coming. Um, and you know that's going to affect or, um, you know, all of a sudden you... Uh, you can see on the horizon that it's coming to light that a lot of clothing um, retailers are uh, investigative reports have uncovered unsavory business practices, you know, um, that they mm-hmm. have been using underpaid labor uh, out of out of the country. And that's something that 
as a PR professional, you look for so you can respond so you can respond before it gets to be a huge debacle, um, like something like VW. Um, <laughs> that that was something where um, you know I, I I pity anybody who's in PR pities a, a crisis team that has to respond then to that um, when mm-hmm. it's already so bad that you have to just you know you're you're just stopping the damage as much as you can. Where marketing tends to deal a lot more with um, at least a lot more directly with sales, with promotions. Um, content marketing is one of the areas where they overlap, and social media marketing is as well. But I think the big thing is marketing really focuses on. Um, I know there's a huge thing the like that we call it the Harvard principles. Um, so a lot of it has to do a lot more with direct sales, with getting you know readers to convert to customers, to that sort of thing, where public relations generally looks at building the brand awareness, um, maintaining the reputation, uh, building the relationships, doing that sort of stuff. Um, There is a lot of crossover, though, and there is a very high need for marketers and PR professionals to work together. Well, wow. you know, I, it's, fun, wow. it's funny that you had mentioned this because this is a very interesting day, and I talk about this often. This, so a lot of people don't realize there's a difference between a publicist, a public relations person. Marketing can actually encompass both the public relations, the publicist, promotions, publicity, and all that. If you hire a market, if you hire a marketing company, as well as the social media aspect too. Yeah, it it really depends on. Um, I I've known of firms that really only specialize in what we call media relations. That's what you're talking about with um, being a publicist. Um, we call it media relations, and that's a it is a, a, a an important part of PR, and it's um, unfortunately what. Some people think is all PR is. Um, exactly. <laughs> is just getting exactly. placement. Yeah, but PR is much, much more than just media relations. It is an important exactly. part, but um, it's much more than that, definitely. And I think a lot of people don't realize that marketing, uh, marketing encompasses all of that. You can hire a marketing firm to do all of that. The publicity, the public um, relations, well, and the promotions. It depends on the kind of firm you're hiring to do, and what exactly. they're doing. Um, exactly. Usually it's not a marketing firm that will do um, that sort of stuff. Usually that's more of a PR agency um, that will do that, where marketing really – so marketing generally doesn't do things like media relations, um, unless it's a firm that is a um, – the digital communication firms tend to do both. Um, so there are cropping up a lot of uh, a lot of firms that will do public relations and marketing. And so they'll work, for example, with your sales department and they'll come up with, you know, this, this sort of content for your content marketing and your influencer marketing and uh, social media campaigns, as well as then you have uh, public relations people come and be and they're on your team as as uh as you as the client and they'll come on and they'll do you know the they'll help the marketing as far as building the relationships with people and helping 
um, have increased success on social media and through those content marketing, they'll um, some of them will have a newsroom solution where they're gathering all these uh, all this content and all these uh, media relations hits. Um, they're doing all sorts of stuff like that. They're training. A lot of times, PR professionals will train um, executives. Or uh, you think, for example, of anybody. Uh, athletes are a huge one in the Super Bowl. Um, whether or not they listen is a different thing entirely, but uh, those are all PR <laughs> professionals that, yeah, that train them how to how to respond at press conferences and, and things like that. Um, those are all that's a that's a PR uh, responsibility is to exactly get people ready. exactly yep. exactly. Yeah, so well, we really thank you for um, your time, and it was great having you on. Um, you know. Um, is we hope you will come back and be with us at, a, at another time in the year, and share with us what your yeah. latest adventures are. Uh, it's it's been it's been really great. So thank you for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having thanks. me. Thanks, Becky. Yeah, bye. Bye bye. So it's quite it's quite interesting, Jay, having uh, Becky on today. Oh, yeah, I've learned a lot, and um, wow, you know, you never think that uh, PR is so broad, you know, so wow, you know, I know our listeners learned a lot. This is a great, great uh, show to listen to because a lot of people have these questions, so it's wonderful. They do have it's a wonderful show. Is it, I agree, and I think your question was really good because Becky is on, is in the, the new, okay, this one, may, we don't want to sound old here because we're not old because we're into the latest stuff, but Becky's kind of like the new generation, you know, public relations, mm -hmm. promotions, publicity, you know, and there's a lot of people who still put that all under marketing, you know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it's no longer the five Ps of marketing, you know what I mean? We no longer do it that way because marketing is not even really down to demographics the way it used to be. It's based on lifestyle. So it's, gonna, it's, it's, quite, and it's just quite interesting. And now we're going into no gender marketing and PR, you know, where a lot of people now do not want to be recognized by gender. So that's another right. area. That's mm -hmm. going to be quite interesting, too, because people do not want to be recognized by gender. So it's it's going to be interesting. The new wave of everything yes. with PR and public relations and publicity and promotions and all that, it's going to be interesting because now it's going to be specialists in each of those areas. Rather than marketing, right. when we used to send our youth to school, they learn that the five P's of marketing encompass this. So right. now we have no targeted demographics. I don't even think we have genders anymore. I don't know what we have. You know, <laughs> you know it's interesting, too. I was looking at an enterprise commercial, and the guy said, I don't want to talk to humans. So that's a whole other thing, too. I don't want to deal with humans. So how do you market to these people? <laughs> they don't want to talk to anybody. They just want to pick their car up, and I don't want to deal with anyone, and I don't want to get marketed to, and... Yeah, so we got a whole just a whole mess going on. The well, there's even more of a thing. <laughs> it is, but there's a, it is also another plethora that's happening too, Jay. And there's a new thing that's coming about, Jay, is that in five years they are the so at this year um, at the Social Media Week in New York, they are actually having where artificial intelligence will be 100% at the, the capacity of a human being's brain in less than five years. So they're saying that 
public relations, promotions, publicity, all of that, you won't even you won't even have a human being doing it. You won't even have the computer doing it because a computer still needs a human being to do it. It is going to be right. completely wow. our our computers in another year going on sale will be computers with artificial intelligence. So it won't be that you'll receive a phone call and you can just say answer my phone or something like that. You know what I mean? It will actually right. you. It, 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 it's it's going to be quite interesting. Is all I can say. I don't know what to say. I can't wait or wow. You know, it's like oh, I'm, it's so scary. <laughs> it it is, it is, um, it really is. So we can only we can only see. But artificial intelligence is here. It's not going anywhere. Wow. Well, I'm, um, you know, I just wanted to say, put a shout out. Um, we lost a vanity, you know, um, this weekend. She's out here in Fremont, and um, it's very interesting because Prince, he was in uh, at one of his concerts. I think it's Australia or somewhere where he did a whole show and he stopped the show and he, he he did some personal things and he was telling a little story. Yeah, I don't know if you know. He was saying that him and Vanity. Um, they got in an argument, so Prince said, "Hey, Vanity, I'm so mad at you. I'm going to throw you into the, uh, the the pool." So Vanity said, "Well, you're a little scrawny guy. You can't throw me in the pool. You too, you too little." So so Prince got so mad, he got his bodyguard, Gail, and um, he had his bodyguard throw uh, Vanity into the swimming pool. <laughs> so I just thought that was something good to. Funny. Yeah, that is. And, you know, we, we've <laughs> lost some. We've lost some major people. David Bowie. Uh, the gentleman from Earth, Wind, and Fire, now Vanity. You know, and and, he's, and Vanity had turned her life around. You know, so there's a lot that, you know, we don't realize how lucky we are. Yes. We don't realize. So I think it's it's time for us to kind of wake up and smell the coffee, folks, and let's get it together and, you know, really – you know, so to speak, like this young lady said, let's go out here and make life happen. Right. Let's right. go out here and def- definitely make life happen because it's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really is time. Well, with that said, we thank you, everyone, for our show, and we look forward to having you next week. And, Becky Winshell, thank you so much. You gave us a lot of great information. Have a wonderful day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.